Daryl. But um, it's great to uh, great to be in your church and been great privilege to just move around our, our movement continually as well. Um, the um, la- last few weeks I've been very busy around some of our bigger churches um, at Salisbury and uh, Elizabeth and Gawler campuses of, of Hope Central, which is just a, a wonderful church and doing some amazing things. Um, last Sunday, I was Sunday before last rather, I was at Seaton for their. They've got four four services that I spoke at. So Friday, a Friday senior service on, and then three on the Sunday morning. So they have eight thirty, ten thirty, and five thirty service. So that was a pretty full on day. <clears throat> and next week, I head over to Air Peninsula, and so we'll be spending ten days in. Uh, uh, a lot of the little churches. Is this working? Well, I presume it was on. It was green. Oh, so it's got to be super. It's got to be super green. <laughs> Sorry. You got the volume? There we go. There we go. Okay. So sorry. Um, yeah. So over in on, on York. Uh, Air Peninsula for 10 days. Um, some of the larger churches like Port, Port Lincoln and Wyala, Port Augusta, so it'd be good to see Caleb and Kerry, but also some of the very small little country gatherings of farmers in places like Lock and um, Streaky Bay and a few other little Miniper. Miniper's a good church actually. And uh, just amazing. So I, I just love the opportunity to go around both smaller and larger churches and, and just share the word and encourage and support the churches. So it's been a privilege to take on this role the last years as our state pastor. A new role for me and a new role for our movement. Um, and uh, it's been, I think, well received and been a great way for me to still have meaningful expression in my retirement years. So great joy to be with you this morning as well. So uh, you can see I want to speak around the term pivot. That's one of those words that's become very trendy, hasn't it? Particularly through COVID-19, everything's pivoting. We've got to pivot. We've got to turn around, move. But it is actually a very strategic word. My son, my second son, uh, Joel, works for a company or an organisation called the Water Research Australia. And he facilitates uh, research of water-related issues with academic and, and professional communities and runs courses and training facilities for them. So, uh, you know, when COVID hit, of course, all the conferencing and all the stuff that they did had to suddenly pivot. And uh, they've now pivoted to basically working online and, so, and, uh, and through, through Zoom calls. So the other day he said to me, and he works from home, which is another big pivot. You know, where instead of being in the office, and well, they were based at um, um, SA Water in, in, in Victoria Square, now they all work from their homes and they love it. And so he said to me, Dad, he said, the other day we had 3,000 people in a webinar that I facilitated all around the world, coordinated out of my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something else, isn't it? You know, just the change in our world. And, and circumstances can change. Uh, things and obviously your church has gone through 
a very significant change and Daryl no longer being with you. Uh, and, but it's, it's an opportunity for something fresh in you too. And not to say or, or, or negate him at all the significant influence that he had upon all of our lives and you guys particularly. But now there's a new future. And um, I called it the wild goose chase because interestingly, and I'll just use the clicker here, now the Celtic Christians called the, the Holy Spirit the wild goose. And from what I've read and understood, that uh, that's where the term going on a wild goose chase actually originally came from, was the notion of chasing after the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Holy Spirit takes us off and on adventures that we can't always tell straight away, or see the full significance of. But the nature of the wild goose was that you couldn't contain it. Uh, there was an element of unpredictability, unsurety about what the future would hold. And maybe that's where you're at right now. And I'm sure it is true for you as a congregation. Um, you know, what's, what's, what's it going to hold? And I'd like to suggest that following going on a wild goose chase is a good way to go. And, uh, you know, far from that being sort of a, a, a leading you into confusion or into uh, unclarity, that the Holy Spirit is actually head of the game. He's out in front. And he's inviting us on an adventure. Uh, so if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. I want to talk about some of the cages that actually where we try to contain the Holy Spirit and stop him from allowing us to take us on the adventure that our Christian lives should be about. So uh, there are tipping points in our lives and there are ways that cages get unlocked. Uh, it's interesting that Pastor Barry and Vanessa are here with us this morning. Uh, you know, I can remember very clearly uh, the huge pivot that happened in a lot of our lives after Pastor Leo Harris, our founder, died. And uh, it, it, it transformed my world, and I know it transformed Pastor Barry's world as well, because out of that table grew, uh, the new day grew, uh, the whole lot of things that became very significant and influential in Australia uh, through the charismatic conventions, eventually grew out of that as well. And you know, uh, for me, it, it caused me to move out of, what, out of a church that I thought I was going to be in forever and under a pastor who, if he told me to pack my bags and go to Africa, I just would have done it. I wouldn't have been asked why. You know, Leo had that sort of apostolic uh, effect upon many people's lives that you know you just felt very secure under his leadership and, and directed by what God was doing in that church. It was an exciting season of my life uh, growing up in that congregation and as a young person growing up particularly. But um, in that year after his death, we had a ministry that came into our church that was uh, a guy called Dick Mills. Do you remember him at all? Uh, he was a walking concordance. Really, he knew as much as Pastor Barry knows the scriptures, and I've always admired that this guy was amazing. He knew thousands of scriptures, and then we just reel them off at you. And I can remember sitting there in this auditorium, and we in the hall, and we just sort of started the service, and he, he pointed me out, he said, Son, I've got a word for you. He was American. I got a word for you, and the word is this Go, man, go. <laughs> and, and then he gave me a bunch of scriptures which related to it. And uh, it was at a very strategic time in my life where I was wondering, what's the future hold? 
and I was given the opportunity to become a youth pastor in a fledgling church, a newish church in Melbourne, which was growing rapidly, and uh, so I moved. Go, man, go. I went. I left my teaching career, which was also growing and developing for me, and it was a big, it was a big year of change, but I doubt that it would have happened unless Leah Harris had died. You know, it became the pivot, if you like. It became the process of change. And, you know, Daryl's passed away. And it becomes, uh, obviously, a very significant change for you, Anne. But for all of you as a church, your father figure, the person that has led you, it's not here. You know, it was my privilege to be with you on the Sunday straight after his passing. And, uh, you know, just to see the faith that was in the room and, and amongst you. And still is. I love coming to your church, even though there's only a handful of us here. The sense of God's presence and the things that you shared. And thank you for the testimonies that were spoken of. And the way you led communion. You brought some new things out to me, actually, this morning around communion. It was lovely to hear. So it, it's very enriching. If you have a heart that's open, you know, God can take you on a journey that's exciting. And the years ahead, I want to encourage you. For both individually and corporately, I don't know what the church will look like or what this group will find itself doing in the times ahead. But one thing I do know, Holy Spirit is ahead of the game. And he's taking us on a journey. And it's a journey that will open up new doors of opportunity for you both individually and perhaps even together. Um, so, well, I should just go back to that scripture but I had it there. Uh, you know, count all joy, brothers, when you meet various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces. It goes on the list of holy for things that are produced actually by challenge and difficulty. And I can remember when Pastor Leah Harris uh, passed away, it threw, threw that church into uh, confusion, really, for a season. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, I can remember sitting in your lounge room. Um, Pastor Barry and Vanessa just uh, wondering what on earth was going down. And there was, it was a very unsettling time in that church. And there were lots of trials and, and challenges to it, but it produced. Produced a whole range of things. If we are open to the Holy Spirit, as I know you are, then the best is always yet to come. There is so many things that are ahead for us. If we're just prepared to go on the adventure of life with Him. Holy Spirit is about spontaneity. It's about adventure. It's about trust. And if you will trust the Lord, He can take us forward onto an amazing adventure that will fill our lives with, with fresh opportunity in Him. <coughs> but there are cages uh, that stop us. And the first cage I just want to talk about is the cage of responsibility. Uh, there's some unusual cages. But you know, you, we, sometimes in our, in our lives we become so framed by responsibilities that they take away the ability to be spontaneous and follow what God's called us to be and do. And I wonder whether this morning Holy Spirit wouldn't want to use the opportunity to just shake the cage a bit. <laughs> And cause some things to break loose. Because our responsibilities can become a robber 
of the things that God's actually called us to do and be. And I've, I've found that over the years, that sometimes, you know, the, the, the burden and the responsibilities that are around your life start to define what your future is going to be. And I'm not, by the way, speaking about being irresponsible. But I think sometimes we need to be responsibly irresponsible. <laughs> we need to just let go of a few things that have actually confined what the Holy Spirit has called us to be and do. And you know, you have things that God has spoken to you about. Things that you have felt in Him stir. And then the responsibilities of life gradually take you on another path. And you know, I wonder whether this morning the opportunity is here for us to pivot, to move, to reorientate, to refocus back to some of those things that we know God was calling us to. When I was um, in Prague a few years ago, I'd received a prophetic word uh, at a conference, pastor's conference in, in Murray Bridge. I don't know if you were there, Pastor Barry, I don't think you were. But it was at Murray Bridge and uh, we had a speaker called Richard Green come and share at us. And he, he again pointed me out and said, a word for you. He says, I see you on Charles Bridge in Prague. Do you know Charles Bridge? And Fiona and I were just preparing for our retirement. And we planned to go on this holiday to Czech Republic. We booked that day, or the week before, a hotel on Prague Bridge. And he tells me these words. And he says, I'll see you on Prague Bridge. And, and God's going to talk to you. So every morning, we were there for about four or five days. I'd get up from the freezing cold, because we were there in the middle of winter, and stand on Charles Bridge asking God, what, are you, what is this thing the prophet spoke to me about? And uh, nothing happened. <laughs> well, it did actually, but it happened back in my hotel room, not on Charles Bridge. And I just felt God say three things to me. He said, uh, You ever notice that God loves alliteration? Well, He did for me anyway. So He said, uh, Just uh, to, to have time for attentiveness was the first. There were three A's attentiveness, availability, and advocacy. That were the words that came to me very strongly. Attentiveness to just have more time for him. That was obviously going to be possible because I was no longer going to be leading a church. And that was suddenly a big change. But I know that in the burdens and the responsibilities of my office and leadership, some of that attentiveness had been robbed. Same with availability. I thought... I couldn't do things because I had to do these other things. And I wasn't available anymore for some of the things that the Holy Spirit would bring across my path. And I needed to change my mindset and to be ready for the spontaneous and ready for those things that are God. I learned this from my... I should have learned it better from my father. But my dear old dad, you know, he used to say... He had this little expression in Dutch. And it went like this. The leven common which means the living always come before the dead. And, and what he meant was, people first. And he would, he would quit things to just have time for people. My parents really taught me that beautifully. I would often see them leave what seemed their responsibilities to follow those things that were God's priority. And people are always the priority of God, not the stuff we do. 
I wonder where the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning. You will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, my burden is life. And if life has become burdensome, maybe the cage needs to be rattled. Maybe it's time to pivot a bit. And maybe all that our good friend Daryl uh, was, because he used to rattle cages. <laughs> uh, he was a good agent of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I've had many a good confrontation, not confrontation, that's too strong a word, many a good conversation with him that, that you know, made me think. And uh, you know, Daryl's not here, but Holy Spirit is. The Spirit that drove him is here touching you, touching me, telling us, you know, want to be more attentive, more available, be a better advocate, time to speak up and Share. I love that story about the kids paying chalk. Advocates on the street. Why not? Who was that guy in Sydney who wrote Eternity everywhere on the street? Forget his name. Huh? Yeah, amazing. For, for not just a few years, did it all his life. Did it 70 or 80 years of. So I don't know how old he was, but he was an old man who's still writing Eternity. And I, was, I thought it was lovely, was it on the um, bicentennial of Australia? I don't know, the end of the, no, the millennia. The, the, they put eternity up on the, on, on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, you remember that? In, in honour of him, but also what a great statement. You would never have thought that his chalk would turn up in mites like that. Holy Spirit, wild goose chases. Things that God wants to take you on a journey. Here's another cage. The cage of routines. Uh, it's linked a lot to the first one, but I mean, you know, sometimes things can become so procedural. Same old, same old. <laughs> the routines need to be broken, you know, because there's nothing wrong with routines in the sense that they are part of the discipline of, life, of our lives. And, uh, you know, routines help us to, to order our lives. We talk about the spiritual disciplines as routines. But a routine can become a ritual. And sometimes the routine needs to be broken to develop new routines. You know, even our devotional lives can follow those sort of patterns where we can become so religiously bound by things. And I wonder whether the Holy Spirit would want to just rattle your cage a bit this morning. So it's time to pivot and look at some of the routines that you do and say, is there some new routines you could bring? Some new ways of doing things. Now, not just change for change's sake. But sometimes change is an important agency to give us fresh perspective as Holy Spirit wants to take us on a bit of a new wild goose chase. Chasing, following. Here's, some other, here's another one. The cage of assumptions. I'm too old. Not old enough. Not smart enough. They haven't got the resources. 
There's heaps of assumptions that confine and determine our pathways. And I wonder whether the Holy Spirit wouldn't want to just shadow, rattle that cage a bit and shake it a bit and say, come on, pivot. <laughs> it's time to follow the wild goose. Not into the way you view your life, but into the way that I view it. Because the Holy Spirit is already ahead for us. We end up so often living out of our left brain memories of the past, and that's what determines everything, is the way we, we think. And what we think about ourselves instead of the right brain, imagination. Where Holy Spirit is causing you to dream dreams that you think, no, I can't do because of what you remember of the past. There's a great future ahead for you individually. And for me still. Just celebrated my 70th birthday last the other week. You know, and I think, man, 70, me, 70. Still young. Uh, Still young. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you see that perspective, because it is true. How old are you? 84. You're still young. Still things to do. Why? Because Holy Spirit is in our lives. And even on into eternity, it's going to explode and lead us into an amazing time scene. Maybe you're saying you're too old, or you've got no cash, or you're not experienced enough, or you're, you're not capable. Look, don't look at your weakness, look at your strength. Because the scriptures are full of stories of people who assumed one thing, but the opposite came true because of what God saw in them. I'm so excited and thrilled about you as a church and as individuals together here because the Holy Spirit's in your midst. As much as He's called you into existence, He's not over with you. I mean in the sense of your own lives and what the future might hold. Uh, it, it, it may be that this church has become the catalyst for something else. Pivot and use it as a vehicle for God to take you forward in a positive hope. Here's a few other ones which we think about a little bit more, but the cage of guilt may have captured some of you. Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't allow the, the guilts to, to rob you. The past failures that can cause you to become reactive to life rather than proactive. Allow yourself to become proactive again, fresh. Or it may be that it's, it's failure. Pushing it off. Ephesians challenges us to put off the old self and to put on be renewed in the spirit of our minds and put on the new self, just being transformed into the image of its creator, the Colossians says. You know, failures happen in life. We've all had them. But it's important to look at failures as divine, in a sense, divine detours. Because God uses failure to actually reposition us. And failures are often the things that, that pivot us most, most in life. Uh, failure is a vehicle that God would use to reorientate our lives. 
Our plans often have to fail for God's plans to succeed. I've, I've been attending the church a bit uh, when I'm not tied up anywhere at the new outreach at, at um, Mount Barker. I'm so thrilled to see what's happening there. Because we, as a church at Stirling, when I was pastoring there, had numbers of attempts to try and start a church at Mount Barker. And uh, the last one was, 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 it happened at a great financial cost because we ended up taking out, we, we took on the, the business of a, of a play cafe in, in, in Mount Barker and uh, it worked well at many levels but didn't work well at others and we've been even despite the fact that we'd done all that due diligence and care of it, it, we ended up losing a lot of money because we'd been given shonky figures and so on. And uh, it took us a couple of years to extricate from there and a couple of hundred thousand dollars that just, you think, wow, you know, what was all that about? Except that a whole bunch of people were reached. Some of those kids are now the young leaders of that church. So, you know, you just think, wow, Lord, you know. You know what's the score. And, you know, I, I, you can think of failures, I'm sure, Pastor Barry and Vanessa over life. You know, where I can remember when you guys ended up having to run a milk bar. For how many years did you do that? Three. They were great years, weren't they? Great years of failure. <laughs> You were called to be milk bar owners, I think. <laughs> Didn't even tell you the story. It was, you know, like a, a great challenge. It was the same time as you, I think, leading the church and doing your bachelor's theology degree. And, you know, and, and just to top it off, you thought you'd run a milk bar. Yeah. You look at those things and you think, where, where, where or how or why? Except that they reposition you and pivot you often to things that you can't see the full picture of. Because failure is never failure in that sense when you're walking with the Lord. They can become, as I said, divine detours. Maybe it's the last one here that I've got. And like this many others, but fear is just such a binding thing. And you know, fear can rob us. From living, from living, off, uh, rob us from living offensively, where we end up living defensively, where we just are protecting our lives all the time. I read this quote from Nelson Mandela, and he said, "I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid." But he who conquers that fear. And you know, as the scripture says up there, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will be your strength. You, you, yes, I will help you. I don't know what the future holds for you, Anne. Oh, well, for you, Kingsley, you know, it must be very strange being in your home without Daryl's presence there. I don't know what it's like for you to come to church without him here, sitting there. 
I don't know what the future holds for you, Brinson, as you facilitate the church forward, or for you personally, but I tell you what, Holy Spirit does. I've got some words to give to you as a church, and I've written them out on my little cards. I'll give it to you, to you, Anne, and you, you can share with the church. But let me just share these words as I was praying for you early this morning. Jeremiah 50, 34 says, Your Redeemer is strong. And he will vigorously defend your cause. Believe for that. Both individually and as a church. 2 Corinthians 12 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. We know that. But just rest in the grace of God as you move forward, as you pivot to whatever the future holds. Jude 24. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Just believe that the underpinning, the undergirding of the Holy Spirit is here for you. Not just now, but on into whatever the future holds. As you embark on a wild goose chase and follow that goose wherever it takes you. Holy Spirit, come. Psalm 66 verse 12. That you will be led through fire to a place of abundance. The scriptures are full of those stories, aren't they? Coming through difficulty and challenge to a place that is the promised land. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We've already got it in Christ. He goes with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And as we pivot through whatever the future holds, we reposition ourselves. There's the tipping point that occurs, and that's what I felt for you as I pictured, this scale tipping, in your favour by the way. His divine power is giving us everything we need for life and godliness. Isaiah 60 and verse 20, it says, your days of sorrow will end. I want to believe that for you. And Luke 6 verse 38 talks of the great promise of God, shaken together, pressed down running out all over, will be poured into your lap. So here's the tipping point for you, us. The comforter will come to you. I have much more to say to you, more than you can handle. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and will make known to you what is yet to come. It's that great promise? Holy Spirit, more than we can handle or understand right now. But the one thing's for sure, it says, He will guide us into truth, and He will make known what is yet to come. Can I pray for you guys as a church? Let's do that together. Father, in Jesus' name, just allow this congregation to have great confidence about what the future might hold for them individually and corporately. Lord, we don't know the answers to those things, but Holy Spirit, you're already ahead of the game. And as we go on this wild goose chase called life, stop us, Lord, from uh, allowing the responsibilities of life and the assumptions we make and the, uh, those things that fill our lives with, with routines that make it all so humdrum. Instead, Holy Spirit, just come. And lift the guilts and lift the failures and lift the fear and, and break us loose into all that is the adventure of following you into what is our future. 
Thank you for spontaneity that can grow again. Thank you for adventure that is ahead. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for, for all that you are to us as we put our trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Bless this church as it builds its life from the living word. And may that word continue to bring life to all of them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. God bless you and thank you for sharing. And letting me share with you. And uh, Anne, I just uh, pray for you. Pray for the church. Pray for you, Brenton, as you continue to facilitate the church forward. And uh, happy to help wherever I can. Good morning. God bless you all.